Welcome everyone to the Great Stories Podcast. We have two wonderful guests with us today, Brother Kenny and Sister Tina Pennington. And they're going to share a story of how God's grace has brought them to some difficult times. We hope you're blessed by this wonderful conversation. Welcome guys to the podcast. Well, Brother Kenny is the illustrious assistant pastor of our wonderful church here. What's that? Executive care pastor. Let me get that title right. And Sister Tina works with our ladies' prayer ministry, and she teaches Bible studies to the young people. And she's also one of the instructors at our new Christian Academy. And so we have been very excited about that. Uh, I wanted to get some background in so you know who you're talking to, but they also happen to be my aunt and my uncle. So uh, got a little bit of family connection there. We're going to start off with some basic information. I'll, where were you guys born, and what was your childhood like? Well, I was actually born in Pratt, Kansas, and uh, my mother and dad divorced when I was about seven years old. Uh, my aunt and uncle, my uncle was in the military, was stationed here at Fort Polk when that took place, and we actually moved here to Leesville, and... Uh, I remember riding the KCS train uh, to the depot here in Leesville, and that's where my aunt picked us up right off of the train station right here, uh, down here in Leesville. We lived out here on Hawthorne, East Hawthorne Road, uh, down in that area. Been here off and on, uh, moved to Canadian, Texas whenever I was uh, probably, I don't know, I, I guess maybe 13. 12, 13 years old, lived there for a while, and and then came back to Louisiana when I was about uh, uh, 15 years old, and uh, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on June the 16th, 1976, and uh, and went to church there in the Cottonwood community for the powers of my pastor, and uh, Wonderful, wonderful memories there at that church. And uh, my wife uh, uh, started going to uh, come to church there for to see me. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, as I said, to pursue me. And then, so anyway, uh, we ended up <laughs> marrying and having some children, three children. Worked out at the paper mill for... Forty and a half years and retired January the fifth of this year. But you're enjoying that, huh? Oh yes, sir. I am. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was actually born here in Leesville, Louisiana. Never ventured very far from this place except for in travels. But I have had, I guess, some would say, um, I don't want to call it an ideal childhood because we did have our flaws and imperfections in our family but it came very close to being an ideal childhood I was blessed with an amazing mom and a wonderful dad who loved me and I knew that they loved me and I felt that love in our home every single day and I I guess I can just say 
that I was blessed and I realized that and I'm very thankful for that and just had a great family. Was y'all's home, uh, was it a Christian environment? Uh, unfortunately for my my family, we, uh, my brother and I, we grew up in a, uh, uh, a home that wasn't, uh, uh, didn't, didn't uh, know anything as far as, you know, that, other than that there was a God. Uh, we didn't go to church that I can remember other than my grandparents from time to time would take us. But uh, my, my family wasn't, uh, we, my, my family liked to party and, and uh, you know, and have parties and go to parties and such as that. That was the entertainment uh, of my family. I was raised in a Christian environment to a degree. My mom took me and my siblings to church um, consistently, and she instilled Christian values in us and showed us by example that we were supposed to pray and read our Bible and live a life that would be pleasing to God. And I realized that we were blessed in that respect. My dad did not go to church, and when I say that our childhood was not ideal I think that I would have to refer back to the fact that he didn't go with us and um, that always bothered me as a child growing up I didn't understand that why he wouldn't want to come and go to church with us as a family Um, but overall you know I would call it a Christian environment because my dad didn't go with us but he supported my mom in everything that she tried to teach us. And any time that we would want to stay home from church, we just maybe didn't feel like going or whatever. My daddy would always say, no, you're going to go with your mom. You know, go mm-hmm. on, get your clothes on, get ready. Um, you know, you need to be there with your mom and you need to be in church. So I'm thankful that he had that outlook about it, even though he didn't go with us. How did that atmosphere, good or bad, uh, affect your outlook on life? I know you said your parents didn't go to church. Uh, how did that affect you? Well, I just, you know, in in our home, uh, unfortunately, I, uh, Tina married into a renegade family. And, uh, <laughs> no, not really, but uh, they, were, they were good in ways. They were good, a good uh, up until, you know, my dad actually... Uh, had a stroke when he was 26 years old, and he was paralyzed on the right side, which affected uh, us and my brother uh, significantly in, in a lot of ways up until they divorced. But uh, as far as, you know, I can remember, you know, a lot of sad times growing up. So that's how I guess you'd say it af- affected me. It was, you know, at times uh, the only enjoyment was was going to Grandma and Grandpa's home. Yeah. What about you with, you know, I know you said it was, which would have been my grandfather, but he supported you guys. Um, Did that give you a different outlook on life? I think that I really, you know, with mom's example that she set for us, it it made me realize that I wanted to raise my, my children the way that I was raised, with the exception of I wanted my husband my future husband 
to be in church with me and my children. And I guess maybe when uh, my husband says I pursued him, but <laughs> uh, and I, in reality, that might that's a little bit of truth to that because uh, because of the way I was raised, I knew that I wanted a husband that would support us in that fashion, that would go to church yes. with us, would be the spiritual leader in our home. Um, my mom faced a lot of of issues because of my father not going to church um it was hard on her at times you know because she didn't have anybody to come home and share Mm -hmm. the experiences that we had at church and just things that we did at church and my dad wasn't present uh in those times and so my experience made me truly want to find a man of god that would would be there with me and my children and our children as we raised them and tried to direct them in a path that would, um, you know, that they would want to live for God too. Okay, Ken, what does it mean to be the spiritual leader of a home, do you think? Well, it's, in, in to the best I can tell you, I can, I can tell you probably more of what not to do than I can tell you what to do. In, in some instances, by you know, being married forty-two and uh, almost forty-three years now, uh, here before long. So, uh, being a spiritual leader is setting the tone, in my opinion. You know, uh, and it doesn't mean that I come in and and you know you do this and you do that. I, I that's not it. Uh, Tina and I have always been. Uh, me and Tina have been partners. In, in, in our ways and uh, I, I tried my best as well to share responsibility but also you know to show a prayer life and uh, I always read to my kids at night you know before they went to bed mm-hmm. and, and also you know lead by example and not just by by telling, uh, by saying you do this and you have to do this and you have no. I wanted my kids to see how to live for God. I wanted them to see how to worship. I wanted them to know what it was like when the Spirit of God was on them. I wanted them to know and how to feel. And I can remember in our home that uh, we would be going to church uh, several days at a time, and and our kids would come home and. We would have a night off, and the first thing they would do is want to have church, yeah. you know, in our house. And, and uh, they would want to sing, and they would want to play instruments, and they would want to do those things. So that, that made my heart happy uh, by watching that and knowing that, that what Sister Tina and, and me were doing was, was having an effect on them, and that's what we wanted. I think that's so key, too. I remember as a child, and... and Full disclosure here for anybody who might listen, I was raised next door to these people. So I remember having church in our home, you know. I remember it always aggravated the living uh, crud out of me, as I would say, because my sister wanted to be the preacher. (laughs) She always inevitably wanted to preach to me. And, and, um, you know, my sister's gone on to be with the Lord, but she was, of all things, not a preacher. And I, and I went, and I ended up being one. 
Uh, so I thought that was always, uh, it's a fond memory though. Yes. Really it is a fond memory of having those, those moments together when we were younger. I'm, I'm so glad that is what we were modeling, you know, and, and not some of the other behaviors that unfortunately other kids get to, get to model. Definitely. How did you two guys meet? Well, that's somewhat of a, I'm going to try and give you a small version of it. Uh, I was in the 11th grade and Tina was a freshman and she used me <laughs> uh, to, to go to the junior senior banquet and uh, finagled away for me to be able to, to ask her. So by using her folks that she had there planted uh, and the person that I am being weak, uh, I said, you know, I'm going to ask her to go uh, to the to the to the to the evening. Now we didn't go to any of the dancing part or anything like that, but we did go to the to the banquet and all. So I took her and and uh, after that was over with, uh, took her home and uh, uh, that was it. And I felt I felt that she had used it for that matter. So anyway, I, m- I remember going home distinctively and telling my mom, I said, I will never, ever, ever take her out on another date as long as I live, ever. So a few years down the road, uh, again, like I said, I was going to the Cottonwood Church at the time, and uh, Tina started, Sister Tina started showing up, and, and so we began to talk and visit and was going to Bible college at the time in Houston, and uh, she would write me, and I would write back, and then a few, you know, sparks of interest started taking place, and uh, it wasn't long that, uh, you know, we, we fell in love, or I did anyway, I don't know about her, <laughs> but I did, and I said, this is it right here, this is the girl I'm looking for, because I had prayed and asked God to give me... Uh, a good Christian woman because I knew what I felt, you know, what my ministry was going to be, and I needed someone to, to help me and to be a good mom, which she has always been that, and an excellent, excellent money manager. And uh, so uh, we met and dated, and, and uh, I never forget we were sitting in the car, and I asked her. I said, uh, I need to ask you something, Sister Tina. And she said, yes. And I said, I was wanting to know if, if you would uh, marry me. <laughs> and she said, yes! <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. That's how it well, happened. I think it's funny. We share one more connection. You and I both went to TBC. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And when I was there, I just had to go look up a yearbook. Oh yeah, and I saw Did your you picture in that oh, yearbook. That's great. That that's wonderful corduroy nineteen seventies yeah. suit was something to yeah, behold. I have to say, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but something tells me you might have a little different view on that. You are absolutely right. Isn't it funny the difference and <laughs> how that um, male and female see things so differently? And this is a prime example. Um, the very first time we met, my husband doesn't even remember. Yes, that's true. That. Um, it occurred, but right. um, I do. I distinctly remember it. Um, 
it was at my Aunt Missy's house in Cottonwood where my husband lived at the time, or maybe he was just visiting. I don't really remember and all the details about it, but I was around five years old, <laughs> and Kenny was probably around eight years old, yeah. and he was a blonde-headed, curly blonde curly headed little boy and he was just so he was so cute i thought he was just adorable <laughs> even at five years old i remember it he had on a uh, cowboy boots and a western shirt and pants that was too short now why i remember that i don't know but um i i distinctly remember him standing in front of his mom and my aunt missy um introducing us and at that point, um, that memory never left me. And, but after that, he moved away. And uh, as he stated, he came back later when he was about in the ninth grade. Yes. And um, I was going to leave out the part, you know, about the <laughs> infamous uh, uh, date that we had when I was in the ninth grade. And he was, <laughs> um, I think you were, a, was you a junior or a senior? I was a junior in high school. Yeah, he was a junior, and I, I have to confess, I did. I wanted to go to that banquet, okay? So, um, it, but the way I look at it is that the timing just wasn't yeah, right. Timing. That's I right. was too young, and he was he was definitely too young. It wasn't time for us to fall in love at that point. So, we started dating um, officially when that um, I was a junior in high school. And he was attending TBC. And as he said, we would write each other. It was before the times of text messaging. And uh, we would write actual letters. I still have them, as a matter of fact, to one another. And he would drive home on the weekends to see me. And we just, things went from there. And here we are 40-something years later. Married, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Go ahead and clarify sure. that, huh? Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure. Yeah. When did um, when did you become first aware of the presence of God, Uncle Kenny? Do you have any super young yes. memories of that? Or yeah, I can remember whenever uh, I was um, Aunt Missy uh, invited uh, me and my mom and my brother my stepfather at the time to church and and uh, I'd never been to a Pentecostal church uh, there in the Cottonwood community and I can remember going and I remember the, the pastor that was there, Brother Stevenson was the pastor there at the time and he he preached a message that was just uh, uh, I mean at a very young age very convicting to me mm-hmm. and I can remember my whole family and I didn't understand what I felt I didn't understand why people were crying and laughing at the same time i didn't i didn't understand uh what was going on until uh later in my life but mm-hmm. but that presence never left me right i I, I, re- I recall in my memory throughout the years up until the time that i started actually going to church uh, when we came back to to louisiana and uh, uh and referenced those times yeah so you you were it made such of an impact on you that later in life you could look back and say yeah. there was something special about that's that right. experience. That's right. That's exactly right. That when I came back and I I was older and I uh, went to church 
uh, I remember Brother Bo Powell invited me, and and uh, we become very good friends. And uh, uh, I can remember it just all come back yeah. to me as the, the memories of of how I felt and, and I identified my my spirit did with what I felt there, mm-hmm. and uh, it went from there. I think that's tremendous. The you know the omnipotence and the omnipresence of God that He pursues us even when we're not even looking. That's right. Mm-hmm. And He kept His hand of mercy on me until yes, that time. That's amazing. I know you were raised in a home that had the truth preached in it. Uh, but what about you? When when did you really? When did it click, so to speak, for you? Well, I think because of the way I was raised, I was always aware of my need for God. Uh, I would watch my mom pray, and but you know it's an individual thing, so mm-hmm. I never fully, really, truly grasped what it was I was searching for. Even though I was there in it, you know, it's something that you have to experience for yourself. And um, I always knew that I had a desire to live for God. I always had that longing in my soul, and. Even though I knew what I needed to do, I I never did fully make that step until years later. Mm-hmm. But when I would get down to pray at night, I knew I needed to pray. Yes. And I would always ask God, please don't let me die. Mm-hmm. Because I know that my heart's not right. And I, I know that there's more to all of this than just this life. And so please just keep me, you yes. know, and, and until... Um, Unfortunately, I made up my mind, you know, I, I had to do that. Um, that's just, and I, I didn't ever do that. And I, you know, dabbled in praying and going to the altar, and but I never fully committed until yeah. years down the road. But um, because of the way that I was raised, it that awareness of needing God was there. Right. And I think that's, uh, it's an incredible distinction to make. I remember distinctly. And pardon the personal reference, but there was one night in particular, and, you know, I'll tell my story at some point in the future, but I've always known I was called to preach. Uh, There's never been a time where I thought that wouldn't be a part of my life, but I remember when I wasn't living right, there was a time when I I was so far from God. And I remember laying in bed one night and sobbing myself to sleep. I said, God, if you come back right now, I'm going to be lost. Yes. I've got to have that space of time where where my path and your path fully align. And that was probably the scaredest I've ever been because I knew as the tree falls, so shall it lie, the Bible says, and I knew if this was it right. then then it was gonna be bad for me, you know. Right. What do you remember about the night that you got the Holy Ghost or that God filled you with his spirit? Well, I, I want to I want to make a reference to what you you said before I answer this question, if I can. Of course, I, I yes. can remember doing the very same thing uh, when we we were going to a different denominational church at times, and and then going to the Pentecostal church, and I can remember laying in bed, crying, and and just you know with with all kind of uh, fear and doubt, and you know with with, with direction that not knowing. Uh, whether I would make it or not. Now, I mean, I was young. I mean, I, most kids probably wouldn't have thought like that, but, but I felt the need just between me and God, how conviction would would have its presence there on mm-hmm. you and knowing in the back of my mind, 
because of what I was exposed to, yeah. the truth, right. that I, I wasn't going to make it. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, and I cons- confided in some people and such, and they gave me and helped me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, which led into this, uh, I can remember uh, going to the little Cottonwood Church and and the many uh, uh, older and elderly folks that were going there, and I can remember them. Uh, at, like I said, the only uh, what I could remember was the uh, Gay and uh, Brother Gay, uh, Sister Gay, and Brother Jimmy, and, and Brother Powell. Bopal was actually the, the young people at the time and me and I can remember them being there uh, one night in a conviction and I'll never forget it what what got me and uh, uh, in, in man I mean I can remember me and my brother sitting there and uh, I was uh, in that service and my brother would put his uh, hand on the back of the pew behind me and he would tap his fingers on the pew behind me. I could feel it. And and I can remember looking at him saying, stop that. I said, stop that right now. I said, I don't want none of that back here on me. Okay. <laughs> now, even though I had conviction and running from it, I just, and then he would pat his foot, you know, on the, on the floor and let it bounce while they were singing. And I told him, I said, you've got to stop that. I said, I don't want nobody to come back here thinking that we are yeah. uh, might need something here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, and then every now and then he'd start clapping, and I'd grab his arm. i said, stop that. I told you I didn't want none of that back here on us And because uh, they've got some kind of powder or something they put on you. <laughs> and uh, and that, that was just out of ignorance, not knowing, you know, uh, being in a in the presence of God and fear and not knowing. And then, and then, uh, conviction set in and, uh, uh, and I can remember putting my, my face in my hands and, and crying in the pew there. And I looked up and there was a lot of these, uh, elderly folks that was around me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I began to pray and, and, uh, worship. God. It wasn't until sometime after that, that, uh, that I received the Holy Ghost at the campgrounds uh, in Tioga at youth camp. Uh, and and uh, Adrian Littlefield was preaching uh, that camp service, and uh, he preached a dynamic message, and God convicted me again, and I went to the altar, and, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost that night on June the 16th, 1976. 1976. Yes, sir. You spent a lifetime literally living for God. Much, yes, sir. Wow. What about you, Antina? Well, I was uh, 16 years old when I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and I was at a camp meeting also, but it was on a much smaller scale than what my husband was talking about. We were in an open-air tabernacle, uh, mosquitoes, and uh, (laughs) it was hot, and yes, it was June in, in Louisiana, so it was... It was rather miserable as far as um, <clears throat> what was taking place on the outside and, and as well on the inside because it was, like I said, it was open, but the Holy Ghost was there. Yes. And the preacher began to preach, and I felt um, conviction. 
I was at the back of the tabernacle, and as I look back now, I realize it wasn't a very big place, but at the time it seemed so big, Mm -hmm. and that seemed like such a long walk to get to the front. (laughs) But I remember making that walk and getting to that altar and falling on my face, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost that night, and there is just nothing that can compare. And I still remember to this day how I felt. Uh, I know it might seem strange, but I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. Um, it, it was a joyful, mm-hmm. cleansing tears that were flowing. I, I, and I, at the time, I just didn't understand why everybody wasn't up there getting it. I right. was like, why, why wouldn't everyone want to, everybody want to have this experience? And, um, I think that I cried, I really, I think for several hours, but it was just, it wasn't even, it wasn't just a few tears either. I'm talking rivers yeah. of tears. Uh, I guess I had a lot of cleaning out I needed done, <laughs> but it, that's what it felt like was cleansing tears and, um, I, I'll never forget it. It was the most beautiful experience um, that you could ever receive. I've told many people I've been a lot of places in my lifetime, and I've seen a lot of beautiful, beautiful scenery, <clears throat> but there's never um, a more beautiful place than being in God's presence. It's the most agree. beautiful place experience that, you could ever want to have. I completely, completely agree. Um, I, I think of myself really as a church addict, you know, because of of how much I love to be in His presence. Yes. Uh, there's nothing like it. Uh, and it's it's so satisfying to me to be able to connect right. with what made me. Right. Right. I listened yeah. to a man one time. Uh, I believe it was Tim Allen, the comedian. They asked him why he joined a church, and he said, I'm looking for a relationship with the thing that made me. Oh, yeah. And I can think of no greater honor than to call on the name of Jesus and feel that presence there and know that he made me and he can fix me. That's you know, right. And that he, can, right. he has the answers right. to it all. Absolutely. Did y'all take uh, an active role in the church after you received the Holy Ghost? And if so, what, would, what did y'all do? I, I know later in life our paths will intersect in that way. But what did y'all do at first? Well, actually, I, after I received the Holy Ghost and I felt, you know, the call, I went and talked to Brother Powell about it, and he he helped me and he uh, encouraged me and he worked with me. And he, uh, Brother Powell, uh, talking about Reed Powell, my pastor, mm-hmm. he would call me sometimes and ask me, you know, uh, or... Prior to church, he, he would ask me on that Wednesday night or so what time I would be home from school or if I worked or whatever, and I told him yes. And he's, he said, meet me here at the church about 6 o'clock. And I figured he wanted to talk to me, and uh, him and Sister Audie Powell would be there already praying. And uh, he would he would say, come on in. I, I want us to pray together. Yeah. So we would do that. And, uh, I mean, we'd stay there. I mean, I, he, he, he was trying to instill in me, I, I can remember, uh, for me, it was only so much that I could pray about, and I would listen to them, <laughs> and they could just pray and pray and pray and pray, and I'd think about running out of words to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
and they would come back and and they have more things you know and I said <laughs> my goodness they could you know I didn't have all mine was about done in about 10 minutes you know and I figured we were through you know and but he, he, he taught me he, he about how to stay and how to pray, you know, and and uh, even calling people's names, you know, and, and and how to do that. And what he was trying to do was to tell me that the significance of praying and how to talk to God was very important for my ministry mm-hmm. and uh, could ever be so true, uh, him doing that. Yeah. And I know you guys eventually took on the role of youth ministry yes. there at, at Burr Ferry where yes. I was raised. Um, can you point me to maybe some moments of triumph there when you guys were maybe in youth ministry? I remember many tremendous moments, but what are some that stick out to you guys? Well, I, I personally had many challenges with some of our children there, uh, and to to uh, good to develop them, and and there were some that I can remember their parents coming to me and saying if. If my son or my daughter gives you any problem, you come tell me and I'll fix it. Well, I knew how that fix was going to be, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't going to be pleasant, and I didn't want to be the bad guy. So I asked God to help me uh, to keep from ever having to do that. And as far as I know, I never uh, went and told on any of their children that were acting up as far as in, in youth class of any kind. Uh, to be respectable and and uh, and in years it paid off. In mm-hmm. years it it uh, it paid off tremendously. Uh, I can think of a couple. Uh, and one of them was uh, uh, Jesse Nash, and and there was uh, another one by the name of uh, David Nash. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know uh, they were they they were at times that I can remember. But we ended up in the end. You know, uh, they were they were good boys. They were good young men, and I seen that in them. And I think, I think if we could ever look beyond mm-hmm. of what we actually see and look at the potential that people have, and capitalize on that, and not by what you see at the present, but what you see beyond that. I always like to say I like to work from the outcome back. So this is mm-hmm. what I seen in them. And work from that out. Come back to see, because now faith mm-hmm. is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I use those, and those are two great young men, by the way. And, yes, sir. They and are. I love them very much. Tremendous. And, uh, there were many, many more, but uh, those those were some of the things that stood out to me as far as in in town. Tanner's probably got way better. She always had way better answers than I did anyway. So, <laughs> so. Well, I remember I one see. thing in particular. I remember quiet candy. If somebody was talking, Uncle Kenny would give oh, them candy. Yes, yes, I forgot about that. And yes. uh, I remember yeah. one girl in particular by the yeah. name of Noel that would yeah. talk just yeah. so she got the quiet candy. Yes, yes, I forgot about that. You're right, you're right. But I, I remember something, Aunt Tina, that I... You know, for, forgive me for calling you Aunt Tina. You've always been Aunt Tina. That's who I am. <laughs> um, I remember in particular there were moments where the power of God would yes. sweep in there, yes. and we didn't even get a lesson. Yeah, that's true. Us young people would begin to feel that that's tug true. of the Holy Ghost, and we would sit there and we would weep. Yeah. And those moments to me... I can point back to those as moments that shaped me. Yes. And I think a lot of it had to do with your passion for prayer. Yeah. And 
I want you to. I agree. I want you to talk about some of those moments. Well, there's so many beautiful moments of triumphs that I can think of, uh, where uh, the fruits of our labor and everybody else's labor that um, we went to church with became obvious. You know. Uh, Seeing young people filled with the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. in our Sunday school class. Oh, what a, what, what uh, a thing. Just like you were talking about, so many times the presence of God would just sweep into that room and just take control. Mm-hmm. And that's what we wanted. We wanted God yeah. to be in control. And it happened so many times um, during Sunday school class. And then there was even, there's been times that. Even at slumber parties, yeah. we would have uh, we would get to talking about God, and we had a young lady receive the Holy Ghost at a slumber party. You know, wow. and she goes to church um, to this day. You know, wow. she's still in church, and there's so many of the youth that we were all involved with that are in all levels of ministry, mm-hmm. um, and we we just hope and pray that something was said and done. You know, in in our time with them, that that caused them to um, help find their calling. Um, as far as as prayer, um, I've always known that that was um, I couldn't make it without prayer. Absolutely. I always say I must be better. Better. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for that word that just came out. I I must have been worse than anybody else because I felt like I required a lot of prayer. You know, you've heard of people say, well, uh, this person prays 15. I've heard a preacher say one time that um, one man he knew prayed um, several hours a day and one man he knew only prayed 15 minutes. And he said, well, that one might not have required as much as the other. Uh, And maybe I'm one of those that just required a lot of but I just always had a desire to have that relationship with mm-hmm. God. And I knew that the only way to obtain that was um, through prayer. Yeah. Um, you can't have a relationship with anybody unless you communicate with them. Right. And years and years ago, I had the revelation that that is the greatest and most important appointment that I could ever have every day. Right. And I determined in my mind that I was going to, if I had to, I would schedule that into my day. Right. Um, the night before, I knew what my day was going to hold for the most part the next day. Um, and so I knew if I was going to have to get up at a certain time and my day was going to be busy, that I had to get up early enough Mm-hmm. To to make that appointment, yes, to to have that time with God and to develop that relationship with Him, um, you know, in this life that we're living, uh, prayer is the key. Yes, and it's the key to seeing our family saved. It's the key to um, a closer walk with God. I've told my my children. The only thing that I can take to heaven with me, and I, kn- I know I'm not talking about immediately. If I mm-hmm. if I should die tonight, I would not have them with me then. But with time, all of my family can be there with me. Absolutely, in 
I can't take any of this stuff, the mm-hmm. material things. You know, that really means nothing. Mm-hmm. But what I have with God and the relationship that I have with God, that is everything. Absolutely. And that only comes from prayer. Absolutely. And it's just, you know, once you once you realize what prayer can do for you, it's an addiction. Absolutely. It becomes something you can't live without. It's like breath to this natural body. It's breath to the spiritual being. And um, once you realize that... Um, you know, you you will be changed forever. Absolutely. And you'll realize that it's something. It's just something you have to have. It's something you have that relationship with God, and it can only it only comes through prayer. So I would encourage everybody, you know, develop that time, develop that uh, relationship with God through prayer. I absolutely agree. I can tell you, you know, I didn't always respect prayer. I'll be just being clear and totally honest. Um, I think a lot of it come from I just really didn't know what I was doing. But I can tell you that when God got a hold of me and told me I was praying about seeing great things happen, and he, he spoke to my heart and he said, I can't do what you want me to do because you want a cheap anointing. And I immediately said, you know what, I'll, I'll make that investment. And at the time I was having to get up at 3.30 in the morning to go to work. And I said, you know, what can I do? I started getting up at 2.30 in the morning to pray an hour before I went to work. And miraculously, it changed It changed me. It didn't have to change my circumstances, yes. but it changed me. Right. And the, the passion that I have to pray now, it's... It, it's you can only describe it really as an addiction. Yes. I just I want to be in His presence. Right. It's something that I, I desperately, desperately want uh, in my life because I, He's my breath. I can't I can't make it without Him. Well, that's right. And I look at it as an investment. You were talking about the only thing you can take with you. The Bible plainly says, "Lay up not treasures upon this earth, right. but lay up treasures in heaven, where moth and rust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal." What I'm doing has to reflect the the eternal nature of who I will be, That's right. and so prayer is so vitally important yeah, yeah. in that in yeah. that aspect. Yes, and uh, I appreciate you giving us some insight into what you have learned about prayer because you know I I wanted I wanted to tap into that. You work in that ministry a lot, and I wanted to get some uh, some thoughts from you on that. Uh, what has been the greatest trial that you guys have faced in years of living for God? Well, <clears throat> I think I can speak for both of us concerning this question. Um, our greatest trial, without a doubt, has been losing our precious son, Brady, to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Uh, we believed with all of our heart that he was going to receive his healing. Um, and losing him, you know, uh, alone was hard enough and so devastating. But uh, believing that he was going to receive his healing uh, and then him not receiving his healing uh, was just so very hard for us um, I know that we're not alone that so many people have experienced this but for us 
I would have to say um, that's been the hardest thing that we have ever walked through in our life. I remember the day, um, you know, because he had expressed to me that he, he was having some issues with uh, his veins in his neck and all the different things. And I couldn't imagine what it could have been, but I never thought that. Never. That never came into my head. And, and when he was diagnosed, it just changed everything. It changed the dynamic in our family in such a dramatic way because we hadn't had to deal with that on such a close level. That's right. You know, and watching you guys go through that, um, and, I conf- and I confess that, uh, you know, since then we've had to go through it. Yeah. You know, because uh, we lost That's my right. sister. That's right. To uh, cancer. And, um, I didn't have to be the guinea pig in this family. I watched you guys go through it first. And, you know, confessionally I say, I thought I understood, but I didn't. Uh, There was, and in fact, when my sister passed, I have a very dear friend by the name of Aaron Nash. And I told him, I said, I thought I was prepared. I had three years to get ready. For my sister's departure and he said brother there's no such thing as prepared and i have never heard a truer statement in my life That's right. but watching you guys go through it and stay you know strong and i'm sure you probably didn't feel strong all the time but stay strong in the middle of that and watching you and shonda get up there and sing at his funeral wrecked me in such a real way because I thought to myself, I said, how? After everything that we've all been through, you know, how could you do that? And it inspired me to do that when my sister passed, you know, because God was our comfort Yes. when we had nothing else. Absolutely. Um, you're talking about at Brady's funeral. Um, if I could share a little bit Absolutely. about Go ahead. our experience of... When Brady was in ICU, um, we knew that if God didn't intervene, that it was it was going to be uh, the end was coming soon. He was in ICU for thirty days, and our family, for the most part, was able to stay there um, the whole time, uh, and we rotated out uh, staying with him. Um, but Shonda and I would go into his room and we would take turns and I would pray an hour at the head of his bed and she would pray an hour. Um, We would rotate. And there was literally times that um, I would feel God's presence so strong that I was singing in his room uh, the song about... uh, we're standing on holy ground because that's what it felt like. Um, But I remember at Brady's funeral, um, Shonda sang the song I held on Mm -hmm. and I really had not planned to, to say anything, but there came a moment when it literally felt like something picked me up off that pew and stood me up. And I felt myself walking to the platform and the the reason that I feel like I, I felt impressed and really felt prompted by the Holy Ghost to do that is that so many people were thinking that Brady was going to receive his healing. Mm-hmm. We had people tell us 
you know, he's going to receive his healing. And in our minds, we thought that meant we were going to get to keep him, you mm-hmm. know, here with us. But that day at his funeral, I didn't want people to be disappointed in mm-hmm. God. That's right. Yeah. I That's wanted right. people to realize that That's right. that God had not failed us. That's right. Yes, we were heartbroken. We we have not to this day gotten over losing Brady. It's not something you get over. It's something you get through on a day to day basis. But that day, there were people there that had been in the presence of hearing someone say he's going to receive his healing, and I did not want them to be disappointed in God. Right. And so, I felt impressed to get up. Um, and go and just speak that at his funeral. Brady is healed. Yes. Because he was healed. Yes. When God called him home, he didn't hurt anymore. And since then, I've had dreams of Brady, and I know that he's in a place that if he was given the choice, he wouldn't come back. It's been hard. It's been so hard to watch his family, watch his precious wife and our two little grandsons and all of our family as we've gone through this. But God has been with us, and he has been our strength, and God has not failed. No. I remember at his funeral, Brother Randy Weed come up to me, and he said, um, God is sovereign and he made this decision, but I don't have to agree with it. Yes, That's right. yes. And I thought that was so profound yeah. because, That's right. um, and it, you know, it sticks out to me because of what we had to go through later. And I, you know, I think I knew from the moment Heather was diagnosed, and Heather being my sister, I think I knew from the moment she was diagnosed that she wouldn't make it. Just a, a supernatural knowledge that I can't explain. But my struggle was praying that I could still have faith given what I thought I knew. And God was so faithful in that. He allowed me to have faith that my sister could be healed. I could call her on the phone before she'd go into an appointment and pray for her in absolute faith, believing this time it would be different. And you think, well, that just makes you a fool. No, I just love God and I know what he can do. That's right. And I, I watched you guys face the, you know, the, the ultimate certainty that Brady probably wouldn't make it, and it just—I was just awed by the strength that God gave you guys to get through that, you know. And outside of, of obviously his strength. Um, I'm sorry, I'm Kenny. No, what no, did no, you no, want to no, say? No, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say when you get through, I, I had one comment. On like to make is is we we don't understand because we're still you know we have, we're flesh and and we we don't see things as as God has purpose for those things and you know we 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 want our will more than we want anything mm-hmm. in life uh, when it comes to that and yes God is a healer and yes God can do that if He chooses to you know and I made mention of this. Uh, Sunday nights ago, or last Sunday night about, you know, the will of God, and sometimes we're, our will will over, or supersede what God's will mm-hmm. is, you know. Sometimes but it gives you, know, you what you want, 
you know. And That's right. And and the thing about it is, is is, but he's still God. He's still sovereign. He's still God. And and I remember having a conversation with Sister Cryer, and how how that just uh, lifted me up. Mm-hmm. And 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 we were we were on the same page mm-hmm. that day, and the very same thing that she had to go through, her and her family, and how she walked out of that, and. Faithful to church, yes, and and still solid in the faith, and and just encouraged me to say, you know, you're not the only one, right? That that, that falls victim of some sort yes. of circumstances like this, and how God carried her. I'm the same God that can carry you. Yes. So it was such a a, a really good encouragement uh, having that conversation mm-hmm. with Sister Cryer. That's, I think that's indicative of how important the body of Christ really is, because you're always around somebody who's been there, and who who knows what it feels like to have God's hand lead them out of the greatest difficulties of life. You know, but in in what ways did you feel like God kept His hands on you in this, even when we didn't understand? I I can particularly remember. Uh, I only got to go visit him in the hospital one time. Uh, but I remember walking into his room and the peace of God was in that yeah. room. Yeah. And you, y'all had a, a, an iPhone laying next to his head playing the Bible. And, you know, he he wasn't conscious, I guess you could say. But I knew, I was like, there's no way he can't feel this. Yeah. There's no way he can't. But how did God keep his hand on y'all in those moments of uncertainty? Um, I think that just what you just said, um, it's unexplainable really, mm-hmm. um, it, how that you can be hurting so much. And, you know, anytime you see your child suffering, like we saw Brady suffer, it is so very hard. Any parent wants to fix what's right. wrong with their children. And oh, this was something that we couldn't fix. But even... With that being said, um, we as a family, during the time that Brady was sick, before he went into ICU, we would learn scriptures together. That's right. uh, While we were in Houston, we would pick out scriptures and we would learn those scriptures and we would quote them to each other um, as a source of strength. Um, And we would uh, just just being there for each other um, definitely without a doubt God was our strength and like I've already said I, I really can't explain it mm-hmm. I, what you said about going into Brady's room when he was in ICU everybody that walked into that room said the very same thing <laughs> I remember when you walked into that room it felt like spring mm-hmm a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. I have since heard a message uh, a minister preached that said, when that you're in the presence of angels, mm-hmm. that you sometimes feel that mm-hmm. that sensation that we yes. felt when we walked into that room. And when he said that, when I heard that minister preach that message, I said, I thought, that's it. Yes. That's what we felt in, in Brady's room. Yes. You could literally, even though we were hurting so bad, and it was so hard to watch him. I would find myself going into his room, and I would sit in the chair beside him, 
and I would fall asleep mm-hmm. because there was so much peace in yes. that room. Um, without a doubt, it was God. Yes, it had to be. It, it was God, and He kept us, and He, He, He held our hands through that entire journey, um, because on our own, you know, we, it's something that is just really so hard for parents to see and witness, but with God, mm-hmm. all things are possible, and He made a way, uh, day by day. Mm-hmm. It was a day by day thing. But he gave us that peace every every day, and I just give him all the praise and the glory mm-hmm. That's right. uh, for keeping us and, and for continuing to keep us uh, through everything that mm-hmm. has happened. I think, you know, it's so, so often it's a minute-by-minute minute thing, yeah. the strength of God coming exactly when you need it to. Yes. You know? Well, it, it, it can't go without saying, you know, what what. The, the other, the humanity side of things is, you know, with things in life, you, you have finances, you have bills to pay and such as that. And uh, the outpouring of our church at the time and and just the community and throughout all over this great country, uh, things, people uh, would send and people, uh, they just show up. You know, and uh, the outpouring of, of, of just uh, things of love and kindness. And uh, we were, uh, Brady and Peggy was staying at a uh, uh, RV park. And uh, uh, Pastor Harrington at the time had uh, let them use his motor home. And uh, they had to be there for six months for his treatments. And I would go down there to pay it. And mm-hmm. it would already be paid. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then there there would be money that would be transferred into an account. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't know where it come from. Don't know who paid it. They didn't want nobody to know. And I asked the people who who, who did this mm-hmm. so I can thank them. And they said they don't want you to know. They, It's just being taken care of. So I want to say that. And I remember whenever he finished his treatments, on one aspect of the, the the cancer that he had, the line of people at mm. the River Bridge. Yeah, I remember that. As we were traveling home, yes, um, he had finished his treatments, and uh, as my husband said, during that phase, um, and when he came home, our community is so awesome. Uh, they were all parked at the store in our community, uh, Fox Stop, and uh, as with signs, with and, signs and just encouragement and, and whistles and horns <laughs> and, and just uh, hundreds of people on the road. I mean, you know, whenever they crossed there, I mean, it was just literally on both sides, like Went, a parade, like a parade. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was just uh, phenomenal. Of just there to support. Uh, it's just uh, the feeling, you know, of, yeah. uh, of you know, of encouragement, and so, you know, that I, I want to make sure that that we add that in there that, that that God was so good to us and our family and touched so many people. Uh, his life did, mm-hmm. and, and the response that that was given uh, in the, both the places that he and I worked at the same place, and and uh, there at the paper mill. You know, the outpouring of gifts and 
people would just do yeah. there that worked. It was just, it was just unreal. Yeah, uh, I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was something to see. It was a testimony that that you know I, I wished he could have seen. Yeah, it, to me, it just spoke to how many good people are yes, still out there. there. Yes, there you are. You know, whether they were the same denomination as you, it didn't matter. same it didn't matter. bloodline as you, no. none of it mattered. No. His story it, reached it was, so many people. Right. You know. Absolutely. Do you uh do you think you a believer can still have joy when they don't get what they ask for? Absolutely if you you you're uh, asking me, okay? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's it's devastating in some aspects, and it's, but but I'm encouraged, okay, mm-hmm. to know, and as well as I said it the other night, you know, Shadrach he had the answer, mm-hmm. he he had it all together, and he told the king, you know, uh, if, if if it doesn't work out and God chooses not to bring us through this, then He's still going to be God. Right. He's still God to us. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do. It was. Uh, uh, a very uh, hard, devastating time of our life, which I went into some type of a, 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 a trance. I don't know what you would call it. I, I don't know. I can't explain it. Uh, the numb feeling of not being able to feel. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the pat on the back, the handshake, the tears that people showed, the affection that they had uh, towards this after it was all over with months down the road and and I just didn't feel anything mm-hmm. anything whatsoever and uh, you know and I was confused and just uh, silent I didn't talk mm-hmm. I was just uh, I didn't Tina can can tell you I uh, she would come in she said what you thinking what's what's on your mind I, oh nothing did you have a bad day at work no I, I, everything's okay oh well you know, and be total silence mm-hmm. in the house. Yeah. And, and you know, I just was trying to my best to digest what I could and try to understand and figure it out. Well, it was already figured out, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, you get through it, like, like she said. You get through it. And, yeah. but, but God, but God took me to a place, and, and I got my joy back. And Absolutely. I, I found an altar. Yeah. And uh, and I found that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I made it. Yeah. Uh, everybody handles things differently. Uh, I'll have to add this to get to my point, but uh, before Brady uh, passed away, actually before he even went into ICU. I felt impressed. Uh, he had came home for just a slight break in between treatments. And I felt so impressed to do like Daniel, mm-hmm. to pray three times a day. And I thought, okay, this is it. Yeah. This is this is what I've got to do, and Brady's going to receive his healing. So I would pray an hour in the morning. I would pray an hour at noon. And I would pray an hour at night. And I thought, okay, yes, you know, we're about to see it happen. And uh, I did that the whole time that Brady was in that little time of, uh, you know, a break in between his treatments. And uh, I didn't see Brady get better. You know, he just steadily grew worse. And so I was confused. But 
it took me to a place in God that I now know that if I had not done that, it mm-hmm. wasn't for Brady. Yeah. It was for me because yeah. God knew what the future was going to hold. And I can honestly say that after Brady passed away, um, I, I guess God knew that we couldn't be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. We had to, one of us had to have, have joy to help the other one get through. And my husband has received his joy since, but right away, he just digested it a little bit differently. Right. Um, That's right. And after Brady passed away, I'll have to say that I, I did have joy mm-hmm. because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I, it was it was only because I, I was able to have that time with God in prayer that He gave me the strength to be in that position. I could not have done that. And he, I think He knew I would have crashed yeah. if I wouldn't have had that because all I ever wanted to be was a mother. Yeah. And when I lost my baby, one of my babies, I couldn't have done it without Him. And he knew that, and he prepared my heart for that. And so, after he died, my precious daughter-in-law, Peggy, she was so amazing during the whole process, and she was amazing afterwards. Very much. And she bought a plaque for herself and for me, and it said, Today I choose joy. And every day I would get up, and I would get down to pray. And I didn't have any words, but God understood that. Absolutely. He understands those things. I didn't have any words. I would just be on my knees before Him in His presence. And I would be trying to pray. But after I would have that time, I would get up and I would go to that plaque and I would look at that plaque. And it says, today I choose joy. And I can honestly say that I had joy. Uh because joy is a choice. It is. It really is. It's the, a choice. The joy of the Lord is our strength, but we have to determine in our own heart, in our own mind, in our spirit, uh, in circumstances like we were going through, that I'm going to choose joy. Absolutely. And I chose joy because uh, I did not want to become bitter. Yes. And uh, it was, it's an effort. It it's is. an effort to choose joy. But... You have to put yourself in positions that God can help you get through those times. And you have to go to church. You have to be in God's presence as often as possible. You know, you have to face things head on. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't get, they don't go away. Uh -uh. You have to face it head on and you have to get through the pain. But you can have joy even in the midst of the greatest of sorrows. I agree. Um it's been it's almost bizarre at times when the peace of god just kind of sweeps in yes you know um i didn't really have to face my grief until we moved back home i've recently moved back and uh into this area and i thought i had i'll be honest i thought even at the distance that i was living that i had faced my the adversities of life and not i was to a point where i could uh, say I had faced it. I remember driving up to my sister's graveyard where she's buried, yeah. getting out and going over there and standing uh, standing in front of her tombstone and just crying my eyes out. Yeah. 
And I said, God, I wish I'd give anything for that to be me, yeah. you know. But at the same time, I know she would kick my hind in if I brought her back. <laughs> yes. She would. She'd send me to meet Jesus <laughs> if I was to bring her back because of, you know, her circumstances are so much better than mine. But yes. God has been our strength. And I have, I can honestly say I've borne witness to how strong the both of you are in Jesus well, because you. of, uh, it's only him. It is through yes. him. And I understand that. And I, I think most people probably would, but regardless. And we had to, if I can interject. Yes, this, absolutely. We, we had to, you know, learn to, uh, I guess you would say to, to, to lean on each other mm-hmm. and there would be moments just you have what you call meltdowns, you know, yeah. some some ways, and and you would, you know, and you just have to hold each other mm-hmm. and just just be there, and that was that was the only thing that uh, I'll say for me, for me, you know, I always worried about her, mm-hmm. you know, and I know she worried about me, right? So by that leaning on each other, we. Uh, <clears throat> We're still here, okay? We're, we're still, we're going to worship God and we're going to give Him thanks and we're going to, we, He's still God. He's still sovereign. He's still God. Having gone through this and having had the experience, um, if you could go back, I mean, you've been through a lot of things. This, is, this just happens to be the biggie. Uh, if you could go back and tell your younger self uh, anything, what would you say? I mean, you know, I got a lot of, I could tell myself I was such an idiot at that age, quit being an idiot, you know, but, <laughs> but what would you say to yourself if you could, you having the knowledge you do now, if you could go back? Well, I think I would probably do a lot of things differently. <laughs> uh, we've all made, I'm sure, I, let, let me speak for myself. I have made so many mistakes um, but that's how we grow and become yes. better. Um, we try to learn from our mistakes. But if I could go back to my younger self and t- and say, you know, and change things and, and ask myself if I could, you know, what would I do different? And I would just have to say that uh, I would believe that I would just have to follow God's Word more closely in the respect where he tells us to love mm-hmm. no matter what. There you go. Um, to love those who don't return my love. Mm-hmm. To love those who are unkind and selfish. To love those that hurt me. Um, it's just simply my responsibility to love. It's not my responsibility to try to fix people. Mm-hmm. It's not my responsibility to tell somebody... Um, you know what they're they're doing wrong necessarily. Now I'm not talking about my children. Mm-hmm. My, <laughs> you yes, know what absolutely. I'm saying. Absolutely. Uh, it's just my responsibility to love people unconditionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back and I could uh, tell my younger self that, I that's what I would say. Just love, no matter what. Um, it, it it doesn't matter uh, what someone has done or said or <coughs> any of those things. Do what God's word says to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, bear the fruits of the spirit. Um, let that shine through, and just love, 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 mm-hmm. love. <laughs> I think it's so it's so telling and so true. Uh, 
I heard a statement one time that said, so you're like Jesus. When's the last time you washed Judas' feet? Yeah. You know, to go back and tell yourself, look, it's there's going to be moments where it's not fun. Right. But you still have to choose to love people because he looked at the people who had spat on him and smote him and beat him. Right. And he said, Father, forgive them. Yes. They don't even know what they're doing. And I'll be honest with you, when people smite me and spit on me and all those things, I think, how can I get back, you know? Right. How can I get even? That's that's my nature. But if I'm going to, to you know, expose the world to him, I have to model his behavior and right. say, right. God, don't hold it to their charge because they don't even understand. What would you tell somebody who's struggling through anything that you guys have been through? It doesn't even have to be that specific circumstance, but just a challenge that you've faced. I would, first of all, uh, if there's a lot of significance to, uh, you know, if it was, uh, and and it's all important, okay, so I'm not trying to rate it, but uh, I would would say that I don't think you need to try and fight the battle alone. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And and what I have learned in life is that people uh, that you associate with uh, can help you fight that battle and and uh, uh, work with you and help you. And, and I would use the resources that would be at hand to, to do that which would be my pastor and mm-hmm. the student pastor and the ministerial staff in, in this church and rely on them. And and you don't have to air your laundry, but you can ask for help. Yes. I think we, at times, in the spiritual sense, don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, We try to fight this thing, and then all of a sudden we find ourselves discouraged, mm-hmm. whipped, yeah. beaten down when... Somebody over here has fought the same battle and said, right. "Hey, this is what I, I can help you conquer that by doing this, this, yes. and that." So that's that's what I would say. Yeah, just being accountable to each other. <coughs> and it, one of the greatest revelations I ever had was that I don't have to fight it by myself. That's right. right. That's you know right. that I even if they haven't been there, they can still pray for me. Right. Absolutely. You know, that's fine. And, and we can encourage each other. What about you, Aunt Tina? If, if Well, what would you say? I would just say, along with my husband, what he said is so true. We need each other Mm -hmm. so much. I need my brothers and my sisters, and they are such a help in times uh, of trouble. But also, uh, I guess it would probably not even have to be said, but uh, in another respect, it does, and that is simply to hold on. Hold on to God's unchanging hand. Uh, we sang that song. Shonda sang that song at Brady's funeral. Hold, uh, I held on, mm-hmm. and that's that's what you got to do. You got to hold on to God's unchanging hand. And if you're not careful during times of trouble, bitterness can creep in so easily. Absolutely. Uh, and we can't allow that to happen. We can't give in to that. Uh, we've got to realize that God has a purpose and a reason for mm-hmm. everything that He does. And so that is the very time that we need to run into the arms of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to just allow Him to hold us. We need to uh, allow His strength to just um, uphold us. And 
that will get us through the greatest heartbe- heartbreaks that you could ever face. Uh, just to know that um, that God is there. It doesn't make it all go away. No. You know, it doesn't make the heartbreak go away. But it makes the pain bearable. Yes. To just know that God is there and He's holding you in His arms. There's um, several days that, you know, I would just fall on my knees when I was at home by myself. And I would be uh, just tell God... You know, I can't do this. I just can't. It hurts too much. And this goes back to what my husband was saying about needing one another. Um, I would get a phone call. I have to mention her name. And um, it's Sister Retha Heyman. Mm-hmm. She was so good. She There were several times that in the moment of despair, she either called or she mm-hmm. sent a message just encouraging me that God knows right where you're at. Mm-hmm. And just hearing that, mm-hmm. okay, God knows. I, one day I particularly asked him, I told him, God, do you even know what, how I'm feeling right now? Mm-hmm. And the phone rang. <laughs> and I went and answered it, and she said, God knows <laughs> right where you're at, and he knows what you're feeling. You know? Yeah, that's um, amazing. She had the exact words I needed to hear. God yeah. used her in that moment. So we need God. We need to hold on to him. And we need our brothers and our sisters. We do. It's, uh, I, we can't I can remember ourselves. specifically a few times and that, that good brothers that, that text me, and, and I, I, I can't help but go back. Uh, Sister uh, Miranda Welch yes. uh, was a tremendous. Uh, and there are many, many. Don't I'm just thinking of a, a few here, but you, Tina would send it to me. And, and she would say, "You need, you need. This is what send it, Sister uh, Welch had sent, mm-hmm. and you need, I need to send this to you." Mm-hmm. And and it was just, uh, oh my goodness, it was just so encouraging and just right, timely. And so that means what I'm saying is depending on each other, and right. helping each other. And those folks uh, felt in the will of God and and uh, listened to God and and to do that. Yes. What is something that you, you we're transitioning sort of out of telling that particular story? Yes. I think we've had enough heaviness for one oh, night. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. But there's an entire generation of people coming up, and and my fear is that th- we're going to wind up like uh, the children of Israel in Egypt. There arose a generation, you know, a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. Mm-hmm. And there's coming a generation that it feels increasingly like they don't grasp God. They don't understand what he's like. And uh, what what is something that you would tell them? Well, I, I've, what I said previously, it starts at home. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, There was nobody responsible for my children but me. Right. Okay. And, and I took full responsibility of anything and everything that they did up to a point whenever they become of age. Mm-hmm. But still in all, that they, they were responsible to me. And, and what happens at home, uh, I wanted them to see how you're supposed to treat your wife, mm-hmm. their mother. Absolutely. And, and that, that, that she uh, worked just as hard as I did, uh, taught school mm-hmm. and come home, cook supper, somehow or another was able to help with homework. As, 
and and still got the laundry done. Yeah, you know all the other stuff too, and and just and, and that's just those things. So watching how that that happened, and and yeah, I I worked shift work at the time, most of it, and I would try, I would make her mad because I'd do the laundry but not fold it, and it would be closed throw it on the couch, you know. And he'd wash my dry clean only clothes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ever tried to iron a pair of nylon pants? <laughs> It'll mess your iron up. That's but, hilarious. You know, so I learned, you know, uh, the hard way in a lot of a lot of ways. But uh, leading by example at home, a prayer life, uh, showing your kids not just at church, but when you go to the store, mm-hmm. when you go to amusement park, when you go, you, you live it all the time. All the you time. You live. Mm-hmm. Uh, motel rooms, you live it all the time. Yes. Uh, in front of your children that being led by the example. Yes. What would you tell the young ladies, Antina? Well, I know everything my husband said is true, but I also know that there are young people that are coming to church um, on their own. Yeah. Don't, you know, have, that, wanna, don't have, have that home. Desire, right. Yes. They don't have that home life Influence. to fall back on. And, Very and, true. And they have a desire to live for God. Mm-hmm. And I'm, that's so commendable. Just, and I know I know of numerous young people that um, live that lifestyle and, and continue to do that. They, they want to come to church. They have a desire to live for God. But I know what you're saying about your fear for this generation. Um, we live in... I don't want to have a dark, gloomy attitude, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be that way. Um, right. We do live in a very dark world, we do, but yes. Jesus is the light, That's and right. they can make it. Absolutely, but they've I agree. got to have a determination. Uh, they've got to get their feet planted upon the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you do that? You do what I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier. You develop a prayer life. Develop, sure. and the only way to do that, to have a relationship with God, is to to seek His face daily in prayer. I would encourage any young person that is um, living for God to do that. You mm-hmm. know, establish that prayer life. Um, without prayer, you're not going to make it. No, you're without not. prayer, you're no. not going to stay. That's right. Um, you're gonna, you know, you have that excitement. You come to church and you get a blessing and you get a renewal and you're on the mountaintop, but you can be down in that valley the next day. That's right, you can. You know, uh, because you've got to have your own mm-hmm. prayer life. That's right. You've got to have your own relationship. You can't rely on, at this point, you can't rely on your brother or your sister to carry you through. Right. As a young person, develop that uh, relationship with God. Read your Bible. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, learn yes. God's Word. Yes. Hide yes. it in your heart. Yes. Learn His His uh, memorized scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what God's Word means when the, uh, it says to hide His Word in your heart. Learn those scriptures so that when you have a, a time of... Uh, that you're low, you know, you can to revert back to his word. You know, the Bible says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, for when I fall, when I fall, I, I shall, shall arise. arise. And, like uh, you know, that eight. word when is there because we are all going to fall. That's right. And young people are going to fall. They have mm-hmm. so many temptations and things in this world that's coming at them that I didn't have right. as a young person. I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> yes, even even your age, Dustin, you, you didn't have the things that they have coming mm-hmm. against them right now. But they can do this. They can still make it. They can make it, but they need to have a firm 
uh, grip. They need to have their feet planted. They need to get in here. They need to have a mentor. Yes, um, that is so important. Absolutely. I cannot stress that enough. Find somebody that you look up to right. as mm-hmm. a youth. Find somebody um, that you respect, that you think, oh, I want to be like them. Yes, don't find somebody worse off than you right. are. Right. Find somebody that is living for God right. the way you see yourself living for God. Um, and and just talk to them. Mm-hmm. Find out what worked for them. Find out how they've done it all these years. And let them pour into your life. And let them be a, an encouragement to you. Find that mentor. Pray. Read God's Word. Have a mentor. Fast. You know, mm-hmm. all of the things that uh, God's Word tells us to do. Uh, do that. It's anything worth having is worth. Is you're going to have to fight for That's it. That's right. Uh, nothing is handed. Nothing comes easily. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to work for things. If you want to make a paycheck, you got to get out there and work. That's you know? right. And heaven is our goal. That's and right. And that's the goal for these young people. And if you want to make it, you're going to have to work for it. That's you right. know, there's things that's required that you're going to have to do uh, to maintain that relationship with God. And I just want to encourage any youth that is that are listening. You can do this. You can make it. I, I completely concur with you. And I, I think of one particular instance that I'm reminded of that you guys did. Y'all established a Bible reading right. challenge yes. for us when we were in young, youth class. I forgot about that. And you had a you had assigned us a mentor yes. for that. Yes. And there were three people in each that. group, and we got the most wonderful people. We got the Watleys. Yeah. Yes. And they were supposed to check up on us, make sure we were doing okay. Yeah, right. They were so not condemnational, you right. know, confrontational about it. They were just encouraging, hey guys, y'all can do this. Mm-hmm. And to me, that that's probably the only mentorship I really ever got. But it made such an impact on me. You got to have somebody that you that'll help you, that'll coach you along. I don't even care if your parents are living for God. Right. You still need external influences that are telling you you That's can right. make it. That's right. I, I know that hasn't been that long ago, and I do now remember what you said. <laughs> so explain that process. We did. I I I, I yeah, I'm familiar with it, but. Uh, yeah, You've I forgotten. Rem- I, I, when you brought all this up, I. I said, you're right. I, we did do that. Yes, we I, did. I can't remember. Y'all had a paper. It was like a brochure that had scriptures we were supposed to read every day. Yes. And it was uh, it was roughly the equivalent, I think, of three chapters a day. Uh, and it was I think it was called Daily Bread, even. And everybody in class was given one. And you were supposed to read those scriptures, and your mentor was supposed to reach yes. out to you every day yes. and say, hey, you up on your Bible reading. And there were times, no, we were not. And they would say, it's okay, you can do this. may have to read twice as long tomorrow, but you can still do this. And there were benefits to that. If you finished your Bible reading an entire year, yes, you were being held accountable and encouraged to do it. And they would would invite you over to their house to eat. I remember I I probably gained 10 pounds. There you go. There's the sheet. She has one she's holding up to, to see. We still have those. But they invited us over to their house to eat. And then at the end of it all, whoever finished, we all went out to a restaurant and ate. And that made such a huge impact on me, I know, because I had never read my Bible through in a full, in a, in a year yeah. before. And so having that accountability was such a help to me. And I, I distinctly, that stands out as one of my favorite memories. Well, I'm embarrassed that, that I forgot that. I know that was a long time ago. It was 20 some odd years ago. So. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know uh, there's some things that, that 
I just I forgot about that. And that is so. Uh, that that is brings back so many good memories. That and the the July Fourth and the the New Year's parties at y'all's house. My God, we had so much fun <laughs> yeah. at those things. I remember y'all son Brett throwing a, yeah. a, a shell in the in the uh, fire and it come out it blew out and uh, hit him in the stomach. <laughs> I remember <laughs> that. We had <laughs> he did. It looked, looked like his nose was on fire. That was. I remember that. That was I so think funny. He thought he was had a hole in his stomach. Probably or so. I, I can't imagine how that felt. It didn't look like it felt felt very good. No. But finally, we. <laughs> finally, uh, what is something that God has laid on your heart recently? I, take that back. Let me ask you one thing, okay. Kenny. Yeah. You preach a message that is called the Spirit of Rispa. Yeah. Yeah. I can have. you can you tell me what the impetus behind that message was? Because that is a that message is brilliant. Well, thank you. I, I that's been a few years ago I, I preached that, but the 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 intent of it was is the even though Rispa's sons and and stepsons were were dead, okay, and and their remains laid there. the The importance of this was was an honor, mm-hmm. the honor. It, a life was gone. Yes. Okay. So, the her as a mother, uh, and and what sends volumes out there. She did all she could. All she could, okay? right? And she she lost, and, yeah. and they all were slain. Mm-hmm. And they all fell, okay. Uh, and and only David mentioned this one time. Mm-hmm. There was nothing, not a big dialogue mm-hmm. to it. It just basically said that when the fowls of the air would come and the beast at night mm-hmm. would come to try, that day and night mm-hmm. she stood guard over the remains of her children, mm-hmm. and she would take the sackcloth yes. whatever she had. And she would beat whatever that was that came mm-hmm. to, to devour them. Get off! Yeah. You're not. You're not taking not my babies. Not these kids. Yeah. Not not the. They belong to me. Yeah. To the point where that somebody down the road said, "David, do you know you what Rizba is doing? That she is alone out there, day and night, with all the beast and all the fowls of the air." And that she is keeping them off of the remains. It touched David so that his response was just spoke volumes because of what this lady had did to her, for her children, for her stepchildren, uh, and and uh, and recognizing them because uh, the importance. And and I guess if I had anything to say uh, to to people out there, your children are worth fighting for their souls. They're your children. Your children out there, uh, I don't think sometimes we take the sackcloth off the rock enough Mm -hmm. and we let other things nibble on them. Mm -hmm. And and, and when we should be beating things off of them with the intensity and fear. But as we move farther away from God, we get used to that and we get complacent. Mm -hmm. and, And we get satisfied to some degree that it's it's not harmful mm-hmm. and it's not hurting anything and and we accept that mm-hmm. to some degree 
And But I will tell you this, and Sister Tina said it so strong and so vividly, when you pray, those things become more attractive mm-hmm. in your eyesight because you have the mind of God in mm-hmm. which you see. And, and you have the presence of God. And not only is God going to show it to you, but He's going to show you how to fight it. Mm-hmm. He's going to show. He's going to give you the wisdom. He's going to send you to somebody, or somebody's going to call you, or he's going to give you the tools and the toolboxes. I always say to fight for it. Nobody's going to fight for you, babies, like you do. No, sir. no, no. you're right. That fight starts at home, and I feel like it's so right. so important to grasp that. You know, I remember the moment my son was born. My, you know, I have two children, and and my son come into this world. I wept. Yeah, because. It's no longer just me. You know, me and my wife probably legally could have went our separate ways and and relatively unscathed. But there was somebody else in the midst of that now that required me, you know, and that was looking to me for that direction. That weight has never left because I want my kids to be saved. I I have a a, a small example, Brother Dustin, that I want to tell you uh, how how things and how we view those things. I'll never forget this. Brady was a musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was taught by Uncle, Uncle Brad and, and many others and, and just uh, a phenomenal uh, guitar player. Well, his talent that God gave him, he wasn't using it in, a, in the right way. I, I didn't recognize it, okay? Mm-hmm. I didn't see it. But Tina, Sister Tina did. Sister Tina seen things he'd seen the attitude and playing the wrong music per mm-hmm. se that come along with that mm-hmm. i didn't recognize it you said well you probably should have been a little more spiritual or whatever but i i didn't see it mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't and she would tell me at night he's mm-hmm. playing this he's playing that he's this is this is not right it's mm-hmm. not hit god give him that talent he's not supposed to be doing this there's a spirit that comes along with playing that type of music mm-hmm. and and she would say are you listening to me mm-hmm. and 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 I, yeah baby i i am i'm listening to you i, I got it i understand I, I just don't know what to do you know well the, certain places that he would go he she went there mm-hmm. and she would walk around that place where they were she, they did not know that she was yeah. out there and she would pray around that building and, and, and beat off those spirits mm-hmm. and that would try to attack and try to that come along with some of the music that mm-hmm. he was playing. And then one day, uh, uh, Tina just uh, erupted on, on him and told him that, you know, that what you're doing and what you're playing is not of God mm-hmm. to the point where it kind of reminded me of Paul when mm-hmm. he was talking to Agrippa you know, and, and to, to Felix or Festus that you've gone mad. Yeah. <laughs> and and you, you, much learning has made you crazy. More or less is what the scripture says. Yeah. And and Brady looked at me and and Tina had walked off and he said, Daddy, is she all right? And he said, Mama went crazy on us. <laughs> I said, no. I said, she... Is, is in tune with, with God, and we, you and me, better listen to what she has to say. 
Well, it, it reminded me of Rizpa taking that sackcloth off the rock. Absolutely. And beating those things off in the spiritual sense that I couldn't even, I didn't see it, didn't but see it, she no. recognized it. And I was ashamed. I'm not going to lie to you, Brother Dustin. I was ashamed that I couldn't see that, that, that I wasn't spiritual enough. I hadn't spent the time that I needed to to recognize those things to be able to help her yeah. fight those off. I, I just was just kind of, you know, being the mediator to say, hey, you, may, you need to come in here. you got to listen to you know, your mama and, and this and that. And, and 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 not to say I wanted to support her because I, she was just emphatical about it. I mean, mm-hmm. she was, you know, tenacious about, hey, we got to stop this. Mm-hmm. Well, from that point on, it stopped. Yeah. It stopped. And everything from that point on become church yeah. affiliate. Everything beyond that, by Brady saying mom's gone mad, <laughs> you know, it affected him in a way that he realized that he needed to change. Yeah. And he did change, and, and again, I was embarrassed. I had a moment like that myself. <laughs> you know, and unfortunately, it wasn't through my, my parents. Uh, it was through a fight. That happened in that environment, you know, because I, I also play music and was in, intrigued by that. And a fight went down right there in front of me, and I just looked at the man that brought me, and I said, are you ready to go? And he's like, I am. And I never went back. Yeah. But surprisingly enough, the week before that, it was a Wednesday night service, because I was still trying to go to church and, and be involved in that scene. Brother Ricky Weed walked up to me. And I had watched him stand over there about 20 feet away from him, and he was having a war in his heart. You could tell he did not want to confront me. But he knew he had to, and he walked over and he said, Son, if you keep doing what you're going to do, you're going to die lost. And that Saturday, that was on a Wednesday, that Saturday that happened. And I looked around and I said, It just ain't worth it. It just ain't worth it. And that, if I had a final word to leave with anybody, it would be, it may look beautiful right now, right. and it may look all okay in the moment, but it's not worth it to play with things that God right. didn't intend for us That's to have. Right. I agree. It's not worth you it. Know, get yourself Seems grounded. Absolutely. Get yourself grounded. Get yourself established and live for God because it's just not worth the cost that you're going to pay in the long run. Amen. Thank you both so much for coming on. Do you have anything else you wanted to say? A word you want to leave with the audience? Uh, well, uh, I would just like to say that um, God has shown me that in every situation, I just need to let go and let God be God. Amen. You know, I'm a fixer, and I want to be in control of things, you know, because I think I can fix it. But through everything that that has happened in our life. Finally, mm-hmm. I have let go and yeah. let God. Yes. And yeah. he was always been in control. I just had to realize <laughs> yeah. that yeah. I couldn't control anything. Right. Absolutely. I am, uh, you know, I can't do it. I just got to uh, bear the fruits of the Spirit and live and um, just let God be God and do what only he can do. Amen. Go ahead, okay. Well, I, I would just like to say thank you for this opportunity. That, that we have to share, uh, I, I think this is great. I think I, I believe we're we're in the will of God as far as uh, biblical principles. To, to 
I don't consider myself as an elder by no means, but, <laughs> but I have had a few bumps and bruises that I can tell you about. And again, I can tell you more what not to do than I can tell you what to do. And uh, the, the, the sponsors of this uh, podcast, uh, your dedication to it, uh, the, the church, Pastor Christian, and the ministerial staff that, mm-hmm. that is a part of this, I, I can't say enough of uh, how thankful that I am to be able to be a part of something so great as uh, our wonderful church mm-hmm. in Leesville. We have and a special I, one, that's for sure. We do, we do. And, and I am so thankful for for our church and the great people that come to this church that are so sensitive and love God. Amen. And thank you for thank the opportunity. You. Thank you all yes. for coming. I, I have enjoyed this. It's been heavy at times, but I knew yeah. it was going to be. But we have to discuss yeah, things like this. Right. We have to talk about it because that's yeah. where we find our strength. That's the whole right. the impetus for this podcast was this. We are made overcomers right. by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what the Bible says, and I want people to, to hear testimonies of people who got through it. Right. Wherever you're at right now, somebody's been there, right. and somebody can get through it. And I'm going right. to find those stories, and I'm going to tell them. And that's what this was all about. So thank you all again for coming. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank Leesville First United Pentecostal Church for hosting this site and giving us uh, giving us the ability to do this here. And Pastor Christian, we very much appreciate and Thank you for listening. This has been Grace Stories Podcast. May you be richly blessed, and may we meet somewhere down the road. In Jesus' name.